Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and the Seattle Seahawks win over the Carolina Panthers 30-24. to Going to the East Coast, they move to 7-1 and on the road. And joining me to recap the win is Dana O'Gorman, editor and senior NFL writer for Our Turf Football. Dana, how are you doing? I am well. I'm a little stressed out. My blood pressure's a little high, but I'm doing pretty good after today. But we're all used to it at this point. I mean, <laughs> I, I mentioned it. The, they go to seven and one on the road. They move to eleven and three on the season with two games left to play, and we we apparently can't win by more than one score because the Seahawks <laughs> up thirty to ten, and yet uh, it still ends up becoming a one score game. You know, we have to have some perspective, though. Let's keep it in mind. You know, at one point we were missing a starting center. Let's see, a started quarterback, a starting free safety, a backup safety, both defensive ends. And then Bobby Wagner went out. And then I mean, it was nuts. We have to keep that in mind. But yes, they do. They do let teams hang around a bit longer than I think most of us would like. Yes. Fortunately, the game ended before the Seahawks could lose any more players to injury on defense (laughs) because, yeah, coming into the game, Shaquille Griffin, he he was out. Michael Kendrick's out. You had Jadevian Clowney out, Ziggy Anza. You're wondering where the pass rush was going to come from. That turned out it didn't matter. You still had three turnovers uh, from the Carolina Panthers quarterback on the day. And, yeah, during the game, you see... Bobby Wagner go out. Sounds like he has maybe a kind of a, an ankle sprain along with Quandre Diggs, an ankle issue. But maybe Diggs is hurt a little bit more uh, than, than Wagner is. Yeah, it, it seems to be either that or they were, you know, OK with what the secondary was doing. I mean, let's be honest that, you know, they we weren't getting a lot of plays thrown down down the field right. out of, you know, the Panthers. And so I think maybe maybe they were being more cautious, knowing that the next two games are really important and, and beyond, obviously. But it, it did seem like Wagner, I don't know that you could keep Bobby Wagner from coming back into the game. He gives me that Russell Wilson vibe of, yes, my arm is off on the ground, laying in the corner bleeding, but I'm still going to go play, you know, kind of a guy. So, so that could be part of it too. But yeah, I, I saw over and over on Twitter, this defense is a mash unit right now, you know, and really, so what does that say? Does that say that we're good in depth because they actually played pretty well? Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was impressive. Or are we just going to hold our breath and make sure all these starters come back? It definitely feels like, especially with the case for Ziggy Onza and Jadevian Clowney, I, I definitely assume that Clowney, well, and it sounded like he was uh, just completely sick he couldn't even fly with the team he was so so sick going into this game but even with his core injury I'm kind of thinking this is one of those games where you just sit him down you know even Mm -hmm. if he has to sit out next week against Arizona he's a guy that you want right for that uh, 49ers game that has so much potential riding on it and then the playoffs moving forward I agree completely that, you know, and I did see that a couple of times on Twitter and I agreed that if you're going to sit someone, if they need a minute, you know, this is a long season and we have played some serious teams in this season. And I think fans forget, you know, how strong of a schedule we had, um, that you're going to pick and choose when you sit them in, when you rest them. And this was perfect. And that flu obviously was running rampant through the locker room. Sounds like Clowney got it they'll have to make the decision. Do they want him to sit the one more time next week against Arizona? <laughs> I say poor Kyler Murray. Cause I really do feel terrible for him as a rookie quarterback in the, on that team right now, but he's got to come in and play in Seattle. He's not done that before. So then that's an opportunity. If you have some guys maybe who could use a day off, is that another place to be able to do it? 
Well, even with all the guys sitting in this game, even with the injuries, the Seahawks, they get up to a 30-10 lead toward the middle of the fourth quarter on a six-yard touchdown run by Chris Carson. The Seahawks go for it on fourth and one despite kicking the field goal on an earlier fourth and one. And Carson just bowls through dudes. He was not going to be denied, gets in the end zone, and just it, it helps cap off a huge day for Chris Carson. They were showing the graphic how... This is his 12th 100-yard game in you know, the same amount of time where you had Christian McCaffrey with 10. Ian Elliott tied for the lead in the NFL with 12 100-yard games over that stretch. It's crazy. I mean, all hail Chris Carson, right? And could we even be more grateful for a player drafted in with the seventh round? I mean, he's done so well. He had 24 carries today, 133 yards, two touchdowns. He has become Mr. Reliable. You know, we Seahawks fans who've been around – previous Marshawn Lynch were so thrilled to see Lynch come in because he was so reliable. He was so clutch and you could just give him the ball and he did his thing. And we finally have found that again in Chris Carson. And as much as, you know, I, I get that people want Russell to throw when we talk about this, that run game really is a thing of beauty. And I just think that we, we should feel very lucky to have him. 154 yards rushing on the day, 15 from C.J. Procise. He had five carries, two carries from Travis Homer. So nice to see him get in the action. And especially after he saw C.J. Procise fumble the football and uh, and it turned out to not be a fumble, but just for the luck of Bruce Irvin's foot touching uh, Procise's <laughs> foot at about the time he was falling down. Oh, I know. Thank you, Bruce. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, so I, I love and adore Bruce Irvin. I, I know that people have kind of forgotten him as he's, you know, gone on, but you know, he was on this team in Seattle when they won the Super Bowl. And if you follow Bruce Irvin, every time he goes to a new team, he's like, okay, I just want to go back to Seattle. I just want to <laughs> go back to Seattle. He says it all the time. And so, you know, he didn't end up back in Seattle, but we can thank him for saving that for us. He does get the one sack on Russell Wilson on the day, but overall, a very good game for Russell Wilson. 20 completions, 26 attempts, 286 yards. He had a couple of just deep throws. You had the 44-yard throw to Tyler Lockett. You had the 58-yard catch to Josh Gordon. Apparently, you can only throw to him one time in the game. Uh, I don't I don't know why that is, but just a, an amazing fingertip catch by Josh Gordon on that play. It was fantastic. Now, we've all learned the lesson to not let Josh Gordon throw the ball, yeah. but we'll let him catch the ball for sure. And, you know, I, I love this, especially after this week where that article came out. Josh said he loves Seattle. He would want to stay there. He just finally feels like he's found a home in such a short period of time. I would love to see him get more involved in the game, obviously. But like you said, it's one catch a game. Now, usually they're big ones. They're important. They convert third downs that we desperately need or whatever, or this beautiful 58 yard throw today. But, you know, I I hope that they start fitting him in more, but that's going to be hard for him with Tyler Lockett looking so fantastic today, looking like his old self today, which was very nice to see. Yeah. Eight catches on nine targets, 120 yards. And yeah, that one target that he missed, it was, you know, one of those plays by Russell Wilson where, you know, it, it seemed like he, he just led Tyler a little bit too much with the football <laughs> and that could have been another touchdown catch that would have helped put him over a thousand yards for the season. But I guess we'll just have to wait for next week to, to see Lockett go over a thousand yards. Oh, and it'll happen next week. I can't, I can't imagine it wouldn't. Well, going back to Josh Gordon and that one interception, now it kind of reminds me just of of one of the frustrations that I had from this game. I, I know mm-hmm. this is, you know, overall, yeah, it was close at the end, but it, the offense did 
put up 30 points on the scoreboard. Those last two touchdowns came within the final minutes of the game when they had it well in hand after they were up 30 to 10. And it is frustrating to have it come back to a one score game. But my bigger frustration in this game, Dana, was the fact that they had three interceptions. You had the first one by Bobby Wagner. You had two interceptions by KJ Wright in the (laughs) second half. And only three points to show for it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. It was. That is frustrating. Now, granted, two of those, the KJ Wright ones, were literally back to back to back. I mean, that was the craziest. What was it three interceptions in like a minute or something? It was just so crazy. Um, yeah, but because you it, had the Kyle Allen one t- right toward right. the end of the first half. So the fact that they didn't score off that one, it's not that big of a deal. But it does right. stop that Carolina Panthers drive. And then, yeah, you're right. The yeah. And then KJ got the first one, and then they gave it right back with Josh Gordon, throwing it downfield <sighs> to DK Metcalf into double coverage. Uh, but then KJ Wright does get it back, and they get a field goal. Right. So KJ's like, fine, I'll do it again. Yeah. You know, it's like sometimes you feel like you can read their thoughts. It's like, okay, we've let, tried a trick play. It was a terrible trick play. Don't throw into double coverage, Josh. And then, you know, KJ's like, well, I'll take care of this ourselves. You know, it was funny because you look at this, and yes, the frustration, they only got three points. I completely agree with you. You, but three is better than zero. And so I try and keep those positives in my head, you know, yeah. when, when we think of those things, but when we got the inactive list this morning, I know I'm not the only one that had a little bit of a panic attack. What were we going to see from this defense? Well, what we saw were these veteran leaders stepping up and taking this game in hand themselves. Now, granted, they played the Carolina Panthers, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Carolina in any way, shape, or form, but they've definitely had their struggles. And so, you know, it's not like we were facing the Niners, thank God. But at the same time, it was those beautiful interceptions, you know, those great um, plays. They had, you know, so much to be proud of, including that secondary that was so beat up. You know, you have to have a little more faith in what then they can bring to the table when everyone's healthy again. Well, and the other positive from it was the fact that they got out to an early lead. And I and just with their Thank first God. three possessions in this game, I love that start. I want to talk about that start more. Let's take a quick break. And I also, uh, toward the end of the show, you know, this win over the Panthers, it doesn't guarantee a spot in the playoffs, but I'll cover where the team stands at the end of the show. And let's take a look at just how the Seahawks got to that 30 points coming up after the break. The Seahawks get the win 30-24 to over the Carolina Panthers. Talking to Dana O'Gorman, editor and senior NFL writer for Our Turf Football. And I mentioned it going into the break. The fact that the Seahawks, their first three drives of this game, a touchdown with Chris Carson to start the day. You had a Tyler Lockett touchdown and you had a DK Metcalf touchdown, although maybe not in that order. But uh, <laughs> it was it, a great way to get started. I always like to see this team start fast. To just what a great start for the Seahawks. Three long drives, a 75-yard drive to start the game, then an 80-yard drive and another 75-yard one. So three long sustained drives against that Carolina Panthers defense to, to start the game. You know, and what a confidence booster, because that's what we were looking for, right? That's what fans needed. We, we've we been talking all season long how we are squeaking out these wins. And you hear the media talking about how the Seahawks don't really equal their record because they managed to squeak it out. Well, that irritates me because a win is a win is a win. I don't care how you get it, right? Yeah. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers said last week, I'll take an ugly win over a loss any day. Exactly. But to get those that score, you know, to be able to go up 20 to 7 by at the half was just almost 
almost a sigh of relief. It's like we had a minute. We saw what this team could do. You could see how they could really dominate on offense, which had been so impressive in so many other games. But then the defense was lacking and letting teams get back into it. And, and then the third quarter comes along and all of a sudden, you know, the third quarter, it was two field goals. It's like it was not great football in the third quarter. And so it, it got a little frustrating. But at the same time, what we need to remember, what we need to focus on is the fact that they did have a fast start. They can do that. They don't have to come from behind down 20 points every single time and still manage to win the games. They can take over the game, but they know how to finish. And that is where so many teams in this league struggle and have a problem is they can't finish. They get in their own head. They say, oh, we're down by, you know, 14 in the fourth quarter. We're done. And that's just not the way this team, this quarterback, this coach thinks. And that's very, that's, that's something that we all need to remind ourselves. And hopefully then it'll make us feel better when it gets close in the fourth quarter. It's got me thinking, Dana, do I prefer as a fan to have this team and Russell Wilson come from behind? Is this, is it, is it less stressful for me to watch this team come from behind late in the game and get the win than it is to try and hold a lead late in the fourth quarter? I, I'm on the fence about this. You know, you have a really good point. I don't know which I'd prefer. I prefer a blowout. Yeah. I would have preferred had it best aid 30 to 10. I actually was feeling comfortable. started flipping through, looking at what some of the other games were sure. up to. And that's probably shouldn't have, what shouldn't I done. But at the same time, it, it's, it's just stressful all the time. And yet people get really aggravated on social media when people are like, I trust this team to finish. Well, looking at this record, you absolutely should trust this team to finish. They've only lost three games this season. You know, in the last eight years, they've had 11 wins four times. That's 50% of the time they make to they make it to 11 wins. And so we should trust this team. And yet most of this fan base does still, still does not trust this team to finish. And yet there's nothing that they've done that that should make us think that it's most of the fan base on social media. I think it needs to have that qualifier. Oh, Dana. Very true. Very uh, true. In that third quarter, the Seahawks, they do get that field goal set up by that interception by KJ, Wright. It puts them inside the red zone. The Seahawks only failed to convert inside the red zone on one possession. And it was that one that, that allowed them to go up 23 to 10 uh, in the third quarter. And I saw a lot of people saying, you know, fourth and one go for it. Whereas I'm like, you know, I'd really like to have that two touchdown uh, score game rather than the 10 point game. If you fail to to make that first down in that situation, unfortunately, you know, Pete Carroll throws a challenge flag on Tyler Lockett, that, that spot that was so close. I thought that was kind of a, I, I don't know if he threw that challenge just because he was going to take a timeout anyway. And he wanted to have mm -hmm. that extra time to decide whether or not he was going to kick the field goal or uh, to try and go for it in that fourth down situation. But where were you at, Dana, on that? Did you did you want him to go for it, or were you fine with, with getting the 13-point lead, knowing that how well the defense had done so far in the, in the day? You know, I, I think there is a current obsession with fourth down, going for it on fourth down, and we can thank, you know, John Harbaugh and the Ravens for that because sure. they have completely changed the spectrum on that for their team. Well, it works for their team right now. And they're, they're a red hot team. I love to watch the Ravens play. And so it feels like they're being overly gutsy. Well, you still have to look at the analytics of football and whether or not it's smart to risk getting no points versus three points. And so I, I was with you. I would have been, I, I'm okay if they, they feel like they can take the, take the three points and walk off the field instead of coming out with nothing. But I know that at least for this season, I'm in the minority for that. People are all about being hyper aggressive. 
Well, it it's great when it works, but it doesn't always work. And we have to weigh the pros and cons of that pretty well. I will say this, that there, this particular game, we did see a couple of false starts and, and issues with Jermaine Effetti, which we had not seen in a long time from right? him. Yeah. I think he has greatly improved this season. And he has a couple of media members that are not Seattle-based and a couple of players that are huge in his court, that he just took a while to fit into his role. Um, and so it was a little sad for me to see him regress and you could see him get a little frustrated with that. And so I saw, Oh, Jermaine and Fetty cost us four points. Well, yeah, he did. But at the same time, in the end, it doesn't matter. He still has played so much better. The Seahawks finished the day with just five penalties for 40 yards. So overall, a pretty good day for the team as a whole. Uh, the Carolina Panthers only had two penalties called. It seemed like of those five penalties though, It was that final drive for the Seahawks that uh, Dwayne Brown got called for a holding call that was really, I I didn't see where the hold was. It looked like the dude (laughs) fell down. And then uh, a fluker got called on the other holding call. I didn't quite see where the penalty was on that one. But uh, yeah, a couple of, in terms of timing, uh, really bad timing for them to pick up those penalties. It really was. And it gets frustrating because you know that I think it's really frustrating for fans because we see it as we have this drive, we have this momentum, we can finish this out. Oh, backwards, you know, and then it happens again and backwards. And so then what happens, I think a lot of times is there's, you know, certain parts of the fan base who will be like, Oh, the refs are trying to hand this, you know, game over. Well, yes and no, because I will, I agree with you. Both of those, I took a second look at and didn't really see much there. Doesn't mean that we are right. Doesn't mean that they're wrong, but I agree with you. There is a little questionable, but at the same time, that's up to the player to control that they have to, you know, do the best that they can, but it's just frustrating because you feel like, okay, now we can finally relax. Oh no, we can't. Oh wait, now we can relax. Oh no, we can't, you know? And so that seesaw gets a little tiring. And with three minutes, nine seconds left on the clock, they do finish out the game because, you know, even though Chris Carson had a 13 yard run, it gets called back because of the, the call on Dwayne Brown. <laughs> then he gets 14 yards on the next play and then able to get a first down. And then that one's called back again. So it's third and 11 and, and we get the, the Tyler Lockett pass from Russell Wilson, 14 yards on third down. When the team needs it, it goes to Tyler Lockett, and that helps to close out the game. Although it was Chris Carson with a 10-yard run on second and nine that really closed out the game for this team. Mm -hmm. It really did. And once again, that goes back to what I said earlier about Chris Carson. He is now the reliable one. We can trust him. Now, I say that with a little bit of an asterisk since the fumbling issues have been going on all season, but he seems to be getting better about that. But if you need the yardage, he seems to find a way to get that yardage. And and it's, it's very comforting for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. even though we're used to big plays from Lockett or even DK Metcalf has, you know, he had a great catch for that touchdown and he looked solid today. It's really the run game that if we're we're honest, we're all most comfortable with because that's what we've had for so long. And the one guy that we really haven't talked about looking over at the Carolina Panthers offense, Christian McCaffrey on the day, 87 yards on the ground. Even when the Seahawks knew that he was probably getting the ball on the very next play, he's able to come off with a pretty good day in terms of his stats. But I guess overall able to limit his impact enough on this team. Really, it was uh, DJ Moore racking up the catches uh, late in the game as, as Kyle Allen and the Carolina Panthers were trying to drive down against kind of that soft defense by the Seahawks. Here's the thing with Christian McCaffrey. 
where would this team be without him? That isn't that the real question mark? Yeah. I can't even fathom where the pan. I don't know that they would have won a game or maybe just a handful. Um, he has really been the savior of this team. And now, granted, you know the Panthers. You know what are they five and nine now? And so it's not like they have a banner season, but those five wins are all on the back of Christian McCaffrey. He's a fantastic player. So for the Seahawks to hold him to just 87 yards. Yeah. He got two touchdowns, but if they, since they held him to under a hundred yards, that says a lot too about the Seahawks run defense, which has been real strong. And so when you take that away, you slow the Panthers down so much, but that kid is just so fun to watch. I love watching McCaffrey play and once they figure out the rest of this team, hopefully he'll be right, you know, there in, in the mix to, for the playoffs and so forth. Because he plays so well, he deserves that. And talking to the guys at Cat Scratch Reader going into this game, they do feel like this Carolina Panthers team is very close because they have pieces on defense. You know, mm-hmm. they get Cam Newton back and healthy and pair him with Christian McCaffrey. You got DJ Moore on the outside. They really do have a lot of pieces going into next year. And for a team that we seemingly play every year anyway, uh, you know, this they could be coming back. It's true. We do play them every single year. I think <laughs> Pete Carroll even said that in his presser. He's like, yeah, we're in Carolina again, you uh-huh. know, because we always play them there. It seems like I, I where I disagree is I don't know that Cam Newton will be back on that team next year. I, that is the one question mark who else will be there. God knows, but if they're smart, they'll bring him back for at least one more year. But at the same time, um, you know, they've fired their head coach. I think Ron Rivera is going to end up on another team in a minute. And I'm really hoping it's the giants. And I have a whole spiel about that. See, I'm, I'm kind of leaning Browns for Rivera. That's where I'd like uh, to see him go. Yeah, I'll be see, but I want Jim Harbaugh to go to the Browns. So I have a whole, <laughs> I have a whole coaching carousel going on in my head because the Browns are the perfect team for Jim Harbaugh to come out of college for. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so I think that there's going to be a lot of shake, uh, shake up in Carolina. But I agree with you. I mean, Shaq Thompson is fantastic, yeah. and you know they have more. They have McCaffrey, and and this is not. I'm not trying to be disrespectful at all to Kyle Allen. He was thrown into this, and he's played very well this season. Um, I just think people finally caught up to him you know those first five games he was five and oh and so i think now they've just caught up to him but carolina is right there to pop back up into this mix again much like seattle was when they missed the playoffs a couple years ago well looking at that carolina panthers team they were able this is this goes back to another one of my frustrations is with the defense and the fact that they were able to convert inside the red zone three for three inside the red zone and for a Seahawks team that had been doing so well early on in the season at stopping teams inside the red zone limiting teams to field goals here they go three for three and that's what helps keep this team in the game it's true but I think you have to chalk some of that up to the injuries we had Clowney was not there you know Diggs was not there um you know Shaq um Griffin was not there how much different is this defense without Quandre Diggs in there oh my gosh what a move by John Schneider. I, I say it. I feel like I say it every week. I know. I want them to back the bank's truck up <laughs> to his house, pay him what he wants to stay in Seattle. They still He's- have him for two more years under contract. I know. I know. But I want them to pay him and keep him forever. <laughs> I I, you know, I'm a defense lover. I'm the first to tear down an offense left and right. I love Russell Wilson. I love Tyler. Lockett. I love those guys. I love a lot of quarterbacks, but I love defense. And, and so to see when he came on, I was overjoyed. I was real excited about Clowney, but you know, we, there were some question marks surrounding him because he just never quite clicked in Houston. And now look what he does. Oh my gosh, he's fantastic. But Diggs, I was like, that's it. There he is. And I was so excited. So I want them to keep him forever. I love him. 
they can keep him. Hopefully Shaquille Griffin comes back quickly. Uh, although, judging from Pete Carroll's press conference comments, do, do, does it sound like he's going to be back next week? Or are we looking at maybe another week? I think that was a little bit. Quick. Now, this goes back to what we we're talking about earlier. If he's not quite right, if this was the 49ers game, he'd play, I think. Mm-hmm. It, but because it's Arizona, they might let him be. They might, you know, let him sit out so he's fully healthy. And and I like that type of team management. I know not everyone does. You should put your best team out there every single week. But sometimes when you get to week 15, 16, 17, you have to start managing that a little bit more. And um, and so I wouldn't be surprised just because of the hesitation in, in Pete Carroll's um, after-game presser, uh, that if he did end up sitting. But it sounds like Kendricks will be back. It sounds like um, Ansel will be back. It sounds like Luke Wilson will be back, which is always a shot in the arm for this team because he's just so fun. So it sounds like we'll get some people back. Um, but I think Griffin is a question mark. Well, and it felt like we didn't call Akeem King's name out too much in this game, and he was the one <laughs> filling in uh, for Shaq Griffin. And so most of those... Catches, it seemed like we're going toward DJ Moore, who was playing uh, on Trey Flowers. So, yeah, maybe a good game from from King, and they can get by again. We saw uh, one other guy who we got to see on defense for, I think it was his first snaps on defense, Ugo Amadi, who, oh, he almost has a pick almost. six in this game, and Christian McCaffrey just there to to knock the ball away. <laughs> it looked like it was a, a fumble in, in real time to the officials, and on first glance, it looked like it was uh, you know potentially going to be a touchdown, but yeah, they go back and review it, and they just, McCaffrey able to dock it away and take away his pick six. Oh my gosh, but how exciting was it? And how thrilled was he? I love that about these young players um, that come in and they make a play. And you know that's the play of their life. They're so excited. They're going to remember it forever. And I think that he will still also, even though it didn't technically count, because it was such a heads-up play on his behalf. And so I was so impressed with that. And this is what we need to see. This is where the fans' comfort level with these players who don't get a lot of um, reps or don't get a lot of playing time come in. When we see them come in for these handful of plays and they do things like that. That's where the comfort level from fans comes from. And then that maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll calm us down. Maybe it won't. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I would like to see Amadi in the game more and, and maybe we'll get to see that uh, depending on if, if Shaquille Griffin's able to come back this next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, we saw him get in on some pass rushes. Doesn't quite get to the quarterback. I thought he had one, one chance to get a sack, but uh, Kyle Allen able to throw it away before, uh, you know, he sees him coming. And one of these days, one of these days, Shaquem Griffin is going to get his first sack on defense. And he's been so close so many times. And I think he ended up recording a half sack a game or so ago. Oh, did he? Okay. When he was in, well, when he was in, but, you know, it was the full, you know, 10 car pileup right, on right. the quarterback. So, but at the same time, I think that we have seen an emergence from him this year, which, you know, you usually do, um, you know, a year or two in where you start to see them get comfortable. But they're actually using him now. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, will he be a superstar? You know, I don't know, but having him there and he does disrupt that line really well. I think that that is his contribution. He's done a fantastic job of it. Looking at the tackle leaders on the team, Bobby Wagner finishes the day with 10 combined tackles. Cody Barton there with 10 tackles as well. Quandre Diggs, even in limited time, finishes with eight. And uh, (laughs) Trey Flowers and Bradley McDougall finish with six. You know, I've been, I was a little, I had some question marks surrounding Trey Flowers um, at the beginning of the season, but I really feel, I mean, though he played well last year, I just wasn't sure that the consistency could be there. And man, has he really come up clutch for us this year? Yeah, he has for sure. Yeah. The, the combination of flowers and then 
uh, and then Shaquille Griffin having, you know, a bounce back season after last year. It, it does feel like we have our two young guys moving forward and then for Diggs is able to help out on that back end. And then, you know, I, I don't know where we're going to go moving forward with, you know, between Bradley McDougal and Delano Hill, but um, you know, having uh, young guys at those spots able to compete too. It's, it's kind of exciting. I actually really love Bradley McDougal. I think that he is, um, he's a force back there um, that, that has really been able to stand out. I think when he's not there, you feel him not being there. And and that's nothing against Hill. I think Hill is a good player too, but I just think Bradley McDougal is the one step up. And I, I believe he'll be around for a while. Yeah. I just wonder with the, the veteran presence, you know, McDougal definitely was that guy, but now Quandre Diggs with him coming in, I just wonder if, if next year, you know, moving forward, if they'll think if that'll give them uh, the ability to maybe, you know, get a little bit younger on, on the, in the secondary. It's possible. Definitely. All right, Dana. Well, really want to thank you for coming in and recapping the game with me. And uh, where do people go to find you on social media? I know you got a podcast, too, that you just started up. Uh, Where do people go to look for that? Well, you can always find me on Twitter. It's at Dana OG. And then um, you can go to OurTurfFB.com to read all of our articles. We cover every team. We write a lot. So it's really good. And we're an all-female staff um, that writes over there. We have a great time. And then I do a um, podcast every couple of weeks called Gridiron and Wine. And it's actually based out of the UK. So we focus a lot on UK fans. And we talk about games and, and issues and, that are going on over there. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and you sounded like it was it was kind of for people who are getting into the game and maybe don't know all the lingo. You guys kind of get into some of the basics of, of football. We try. We try to have a segment where we can do a little, because let's be honest, there, there's a lot of new fans over in the UK, and we want them to feel included and, and make sure that they're understanding everything, and, and we get some great feedback for that. Well, Dana, really want to thank you for coming on the show. Definitely people check out your work at Arthur Football. I think with that, Dana, let's get on out of here and uh, look forward to the game next week against the Arizona Cardinals. Thanks for having me. A big thanks once again to Dana O'Gorman for coming on the show, breaking down the game, and a big thanks to the Atlanta Falcons and Dallas Cowboys this week as the Falcons take down the San Francisco 49ers 29-22 and the Rams lose to the Dallas Cowboys 44-21. The loss by the Rams locks in a playoff spot for our Seattle Seahawks. So no matter what, we are going to be rooting for our Seahawks in the playoffs this year. Just about the best possible outcome for the afternoon games. And if we want to continue that best possible outcome, we want to see the Saints lose to the Colts on Monday night. But that's probably a lot to ask with the Saints playing at home in New Orleans. But we can hope, even if the Saints do get the win, a three-way tie in the division at 13-3, and if New Orleans and Green Bay and Seattle all continue to win out, a three-way tie would give the number one seed to the Seattle Seahawks. But still two weeks left to play. The good news, the Seahawks get to finish out the season at home, the only time in the 2019 season that the Seahawks will get to play back-to-back games at CenturyLink Field. So if you want to help celebrate the win, you can drop on over to fieldgoals.com. Not only celebrate the Seahawks win over the Carolina Panthers, but check out Mookie Alexander's article as the Falcons shocked the 49ers. What an end to that game. As the Falcons with two seconds left, Julio Jones appears to potentially cross the goal line. The officials say that he's short. They go back and review it. And in the review, it looks like Julio Jones crosses the plane. They reverse the call on the field. 
Rather than even attempt an extra point or a two-point conversion, the Falcons just take the knee, then they kick the ball off. A lot of trickery, throwing the ball around. The 49ers put the ball on the ground. The Falcons pick it up and extend that lead. Another touchdown right at the end of the game as time expires. So a fun game to watch. And maybe the Rams game was a fun game to watch too as the Cowboys wipe the floor with the Los Angeles Rams. 44 points on the board, and it never really was close early on in the game either. 28-7 to at halftime in that Cowboys game. So as a Seahawks fan, no matter what game you were watching, you were probably having a good time. Maybe bouncing back and forth between the two. But now you can bounce on over to fieldgoals.com. Check out everything there. Kenneth Arthur, he has his reaction show. If you subscribe at patreon.com slash fieldgoals, that's where you get his seaside reactions. And of course, you can support this show as well at patreon.com slash flock. I'll be back this week with Clinton Bonner for three in, three out. Be sure and go on Twitter. Tag at Clinton Bon at Seahawkers Pod. Use the hashtag 3i30 and let us know your best and worst moments from this game against the Carolina Panthers. And then tune in later this week to see if we get your tweets on the show. Thanks for tuning in. A big day for our Seattle Seahawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>